Welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 189. We are in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, so let's get going. It says, Destruction of the Temple Predicted. As Jesus left and was going out of the temple, his disciples came up and called his attention to its buildings. He replied to them, Do you see all these things? Do you see all these buildings, you know, for the temple uh, grounds? He says, Truly I tell you, not one stone will be left here on another that will not be thrown down. Now, the disciples may have been thinking, you know, because uh, they recall that in the, word of the, in the words of the prophets, when they were uh, predicting the fall of the temple, what happened after that with regard to the people going into uh, exile and whatnot. So you have to wonder if they were thinking something similar. It says, signs of the end of the age. The disciples approached him privately and said, tell us, when will these things happen? And what is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Jesus replied to them, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. That goes on today. Uh, That goes for today as well. It says, watch out, don't be deceived. See, the problem with deception is that when you're under deception, you don't realize you're in deception because you're in deception. And that's why deception is so heinous. And so we need to watch out. We need to stay on guard that no one deceives us. How can we do that? By making sure that we know what's in the word. By making sure that when we hear people say things, that it is in accordance with the word. And if it's not in accordance with the word, then we need to beware. And so education, you know, know what's in the word. Don't just let people tell you what's in there and, and assume it to be true. I don't care if it's me or anybody else. Know what's in the word for yourself. It says, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Jesus is saying they will deceive many, not they might deceive many. They will deceive many. He says, you are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed because these things must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. So Jesus is is explaining to them what's going to happen, what to look for. But again, don't be deceived. It says persecutions predicted in verse nine. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted and they will kill you. They will be hated by all the nations because of my name. It says you will be hated by all the nations because of my name. Then many will fall away, betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets. Prophets will rise up and deceive many. Let me stop right there. Who is Jesus talking to? Remember, the disciples are talking about the temple. When is this going to happen? When is, you know, and so Jesus starts answering them. But I think Jesus starts to shift gears. See, he starts to shift gears. He starts to talk about the future. He, t- he starts to talk about uh, the times of the tribulation. See, he, so he's out in the future. He's past us now, I believe. And so when he says that they will hand uh, you over to be persecuted, I, Jesus is talking about believers in the future. And he says they will kill you. You will be hated by all the nations because of my name. He's not talking about the disciples at that time. He's talking about believers in the future. Then many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. These are warnings to us. He says, because lawlessness will multiply, 
the love of many will grow cold. In other words, many in this present day and age who call themselves Christian and believers in Christ, it says many of those people, their love will grow cold because lawlessness will multiply, because there will be pressure to turn from the ways of the Lord. Culture will pressure them to turn from the ways of the Lord. And it says many will grow cold. He's talking about these days and into the future. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures through and past all of that, they said they will survive. It says the good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. The end of the age as we know it. See, so he's into the future. He's way past the time of the disciples. He's past the time of us right now because we don't know when that time is. We're going to talk about that in a second. Then it says the great tribulation in verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken, uh, spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, then those in Judea must, free to the, must flee to the mountains. So what this means is that there will be an abomination of des- desolation in the holy place. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like. I don't think anybody knows exactly what's, what that's going to look like. Uh, but again, we're talking into the future, and it says at that time, the believers in me, as, uh, as uh, illuminated here, or it says those in Judea, must flee. We're going to have to flee, going to have to run, going to have to save ourselves because gonna, there's going to be such great persecution. <clears throat> and it talks about, you know, a man's going to have to leave his, 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 his uh, holdings, his property, you know, and it says uh, false messiahs and false prophets will arise uh, and perform great signs and wonders to lead to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. And so Jesus is saying, look, there are going to be people in the future that are going to be false messiahs and false prophets, and they will perform signs and wonders. They will perform miracles. See, so a a lot of times people are going to be attracted to the miracles, and and they're going to look at that as confirmation, as this is the Messiah or this is the prophet or whatever, and they're not going to look at what they do. See, they're not going to look at, are they representing the, the, the character and integrity of the Lord that's represented in the Bible? See, so they're only going to look at what they do, what they perform, and not to see if their character and integrity and honesty line up with what's in the Word. So they're going to be bamboozled, if you will, by what they see. It says in verse 25, take note. I have told you in advance. And so Jesus is saying, look, take note. I'm warning you right now. So if they tell you, see, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. Or see, he's in the storerooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So Jesus is saying, as the lightning comes from the east and flashes in the west, so it will be with the coming of the man. In other words, he's going to come like that. Jesus is going to come like that. He's unannounced. Un, un, I mean, uh, there will be somewhat of an announcement. We'll get into that. But he's going to come like in a flash. Boom. Take everybody off guard. <laughs> he's going to take everybody off guard. The coming of the Son of Man. In verse 29, it says, immediately after the distress of those days, 
The sun will be darkened and the moon will not shed light. The stars will fall from the sky and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So immediately after all this tribulation, there will be other things in the, in the skies, in the heavens that you see. It says, then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So Jesus is saying that there's going to come a time where people, where these signs are going to take place and people are going to look up and they are going to see the coming of the Son of Man. It says, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet and they will gather his elect from the four winds. In other words, it says he will send out his angels with a large trumpet and from all corners of the earth, everywhere in the earth, he's going to gather his elect together. From one end of the sky to the other. It says, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. <clears throat> And so <laughs> I think this is going to be um, uh, pretty hard not to recognize, right? It says, truly, I tell you, this generation. Now, when he says this generation, he's referring to the generation in those tribulatory times. And so he's saying, truly, I tell you, this generation that sees and witnesses all of these things will certainly not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will never pass away. In other translations, it says, heaven and earth may pass away or will pass away. But none of my words that I have spoken will not come to pass. Everything that I have said will take place. It says, no one knows the day or the hour. Verse 36, now concerning the day and hour, no one knows neither the angels of heaven nor the son except the Father alone. So Jesus is, is saying, as far as the day and the hour is concerned, nobody knows, not even me. I don't know when this is going to take place. It says, as the days of Noah's were, as the days of Noah were, so the coming of the Son of Man will be. For in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in, and giving in marriage until the day uh, Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. So, so in Noah, when, uh, when uh, the flood, uh, God filled the earth with a flood and Noah was in his ark, it says people were just living. Noah was getting on his ark and loading the ark with his family, the animals and whatnot. Nobody knew what was going on. It was just another day to them. All of a sudden, the flood water started to roll in. And so the flood waters interrupted everybody's life. Matter of fact, the floodwaters ended everybody's life. They had no idea. It just came out of nowhere. See, this is how it will be with the Son of Man. People will just be living, living their lives, not knowing anything, and all of a sudden, the Son of Man will come. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will uh, be grinding grain with one, uh, with one hand mill. One will be taken and one will be left. So the word is suggesting that life will just be going on and people will start disappearing. You know, those, uh, those ones who have committed themselves to the Lord, they will start disappearing. They will be taken and the others will be left behind. It says in verse uh, 42, therefore be alert since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. But you know this, if the homeowner had known what time the thief was coming, 
he would have stayed alert and not let his house be broken into. Right? And if you knew that somebody was going to rob from you, breaking your house, then you would be prepared. If you knew the time and the day, you would be prepared so you could stop them. He says, this is why you are also to be ready, because the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So this is saying, be ready always. Be consistently ready, because you, you don't know when I'm coming. It says, faithful service to Christ in verse 46. Blessed is the servant whom the master finds doing his job when he comes. But if that wicked servant says in his heart, my master is delayed and starts to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards. In other words, if his servant said, look, my master, he he isn't coming anytime soon. So I'm just going to get rowdy. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to mistreat people. I'm going to get drunk and have fun and carouse. You know, the master's not going to catch me because he's not coming back for a while anyway. The word says that servant's master will come on a day he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know. He will cut him to pieces and assign him to a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so the moral here is to be ready and stay ready. Here's another parable that's going to emphasize that. In chapter 25, it says the parable of the ten virgins. Verse 1, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the groom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they didn't take oil with them, but the wise ones took oil in their flasks with their lamps. When the groom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, there was a shout, here's the groom, come out and meet him. Then all the virgins got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise ones, give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. You see, so the the wise ones prepared by having not only their lamps, but their oil as well. The foolish ones only had their lamps, but they didn't have any oil. And so they got caught off guard when the groom comes back, you know, at night and they need to go out. They said, well, hey, we can't see because we don't have any oil. Give us some of yours. The wise ones answered them, no. There won't be enough for us and you. Go instead to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Verse 10, when they had gone out to buy some, the groom arrived and those who were ready went with them to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the rest of the virgins came also and said, Master, Master, open up for us. He replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, be alert because you don't know either the day or the hour. And so the moral of the story is to be like Boy Scouts. Be prepared. Always, not only be prepared, the the word is suggesting here, stay prepared. Stay prepared for the coming of the Lord. Don't get outside of his will. Not even for a second. Not for an instant because he may come in that moment. You don't know. We don't know. You know, he may come while I'm, you know, while, while I'm doing this right now. See, he may come tonight. He may come tomorrow. Maybe uh, what I'm doing here will be listened to 10 years from now, and, and, and he wouldn't have come uh, in that time frame. But maybe 11 years from now, maybe 100 years from now. See? We don't know. We don't know. And so the word is saying, or Jesus is saying actually here, to stay ready. Stay prepared. Stay a person of righteousness, of integrity. 
Stay that way. Don't get outside of that. Continuously represent who I am and what I'm about. Be me on this earth. Continuously. Parable of the talents. I love this. Verse 14. For it is just like a man about, for it is just like a man about to go on a journey. So he's saying this is a parable. It's just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. And so he called on his own servants and he entrusted his possessions before he left. And he said to one, he gave five talents uh, to another two talents to another one talent, depending on each one's ability. So we see here, this is critical uh, that the king uh, was about to go on the journey. He calls his servants and then he gives them talents or resources, if you will, according to each one's ability. In other words, he didn't give any servant anything that servant couldn't handle. He wasn't going to set the servant up for failure. So he gave them what they could handle. So depending on each one's ability, then he went on a journey. Immediately, the man who had received five talents went and put them to work and earned five more. So we see he's not slothful, right? He went immediately. He didn't delay. Uh, uh, the king gave him his talents, and immediately he started to put it to work. In the same way, the man uh, with two talents earned two more. But the man who had received one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master... Um, of those servants of the king in some translations. After some time, the king of the servants came back and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five talents said, look, king, five more talents. I made you five more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful uh, over a few things. Now I will put you in charge of many things. And I, this, this last sentence I like, he says, share in your master's joy. See, so you're not only you're going to get a promotion, and you're going to share in my joy. And the man with two talents came. He presented the king with two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share in your master's joy. See, so again, get a promotion and you get to share in my joy, which implies to me, share in my wealth, share in my resources, share in everything that I am about. You know, verse 24, the man who had received one talent also approached and said, Master, I know you. You're a harsh man, reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. Now, this is a servant talking to his master, basically calling his master a scoundrel. He says, I know you. You ain't right. <laughs> You're a harsh man. You have no character and no integrity. This is essentially what he's saying. <laughs> Verse 25. So I was afraid and went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. See, I'm giving back to you what you gave me. Mm. Verse 26. His master uh, replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. He just could have called him lazy, but he called him evil. If you knew that I reap where I haven't sown and gather where I haven't scattered, then you should have deposited my money with bankers 
and I would have received my money back with interest when I returned. He says, at least you should have put it on account, and then at least I would have gotten back some interest. But you didn't do that. You did nothing. It says in verse 28, so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. It doesn't seem fair to a lot of people. Like if somebody has a lot because they have a proven track record, I'm going to give them more because I trust them. But to the one who has little, who has done nothing, matter of fact, done less than nothing, I'm going to take even what he has away. Then it says in verse 30, and throw this good for nothing servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, let me uh, take a break here and, and say something. <clears throat> Let's talk about salvation. The word says, as I've been saying at the end of the episodes, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that, the, uh, that uh, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It's my belief that these scriptures right here aren't talking about one's salvation, you know, being thrown out and, and not being saved. But the word indicates very strongly that in heaven, there are positions, if you will. Think about it as a, as a football stadium or basketball arena or whatever. You can have a ticket to get into the stadium, but where you sit is dependent on what you pay. Right? The best seats cost more. You could be sitting courtside in a basketball arena. You could be sitting at the 50-yard line in a football stadium, or you can be sitting in the nosebleed seats way high. Everybody looks like an ant. Right? So you can be real close. Or way high. You can be midcourt. You can be on the ends. Different places have more value in the stadium. And so what we have here is like, you know, whether we believe in Jesus or not uh, lets us know what our status is with regard to our, our salvation. But our position in heaven. See, we don't have to do anything in order to get saved in salvation. Uh, we don't have to perform anything. All we have to do is believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. Our works don't do anything with regard to us getting into heaven. But where our position is in heaven is works dependent. So we're in heaven. So are we a general? Are we a lieutenant? Are we a private? You know, are we at the 50 yard line? Are we sitting in the nosebleed seats? That is dependent on our works, but not our salvation. The sheep and the goats. Verse 31, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with them, then he will sit uh, on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you um, as a stranger and take you in or without clothes and clothes you. When do we do this stuff? When do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? So they're confused. <laughs> they say, Lord, when do we do this stuff that you say that we did? 
in verse 40. And the king will answer, truly I tell you, whenever you did for one of these, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did for me. The Lord said, look, whenever you did for something for the lowly ones in society, the ones that people overlook, look over, the ones that people ignore and bypass and step over. So whenever you did something for one of those, that thing that you did, you did for me. Then he will also say to the ones on the left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. He's, he's calling them, you know, <laughs> angels of the devil, demons. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison and you didn't take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or without clothes or sick or in prison and not help you? Lord, we, we didn't, don't do this to us. When did, we, when did we do these things that you said we did? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. We can't overlook people regardless of how they appear us or regardless of how they appear to us in this life. Nobody should be overlooked. Nobody. Nobody should become just a part of the background imagery. Nobody. Everybody has value to the Lord of Armies. Everybody has value to our Heavenly Father. Are we going to take the same perspective and position that he takes when he looks at his people? He's not looking at what they have. He's not looking at their wealth. He's not looking at their financial status. He's just looking at them as his children and how his other children are treating those who are downtrodden, those who are cast off by society, those who may be forgotten by society. That's a challenge. That's a challenge. And with that, we are done. We will pick it up in uh, Matthew chapter 26 tomorrow. Matthew chapter 26 is kind of long, so I think we're only going to be in chapter 26 tomorrow. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, the consistent and constant invitation going out from Jesus is for all of God's children to acknowledge who he is by confessing with our hearts and believing, or confessing with our mouths and believing with our hearts that Jesus is Lord. And if we do that, and if we believe that, the word says that we shall be saved, that we shall go on into eternal life, and that we shall not be damned to eternal punishment. Everybody take care. Stay safe. Be blessed. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and we'll see you tomorrow, should the Lord not come tonight. Bye-bye. <laughs>